My name is Tim, and I love Christmas carols. Honestly, I love all things Christmas. I've also been a church musician and worship leader for over 20 years. On this podcast, we're going to explore some of the most popular and beloved Christmas carols of all time. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Nope, not that. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Definitely not that. I mean, the carols many of us grew up singing in church or hearing on TV specials and movies. If you take some time and slow down and really dig into those carols, you'll find profound hope and peace. And in small pockets of quiet this holiday season, you can find comfort and joy. This is Comfort and Joy. Christmas. We are excited you're joining us for another episode of Comfort and Joy. And this is actually probably the last episode we'll record for the season. It's not going to be the last episode heard, uh, but it's the last episode heard for, or the last episode that we're recording. Um, and we saved one of the most classic Christmas carols to record today. It's one that I'm pretty sure everybody knows. One of my favorite movies is Home Alone. It's in there. Um, it's in, it's been recorded. I don't even know how many times. So, um, but before we get to the song, I want to introduce my guest for today. Now, um, his, his name is Justin James. Uh, he is, uh, a, a local, a local area minister, pastor, discipler. Um, he, his family, if you go to his website, Justin james.org, which I'll put in the show notes. Um, he says his first, his family is his first ministry, which is awesome. Um, he's been married to his wife, Sophia, for 16 years. They have a son, Jacob. Uh, and what, what, how old is Jacob now? 11. 11. Yeah. And, and Justin's also a member of my church. So uh, they've been coming here for uh, several years. And so it's cool to watch the kids grow up. Um, they get older. We stay the same age, thankfully. Um, but he says on his website, he has a passion for discipleship that started when he was a teenager. He loves talking with people and helping them out any way. He loves discipling them. Um, he has a Bachelor of Arts from in Biblical Studies from Criswell College here in Dallas. And he is currently working on his advanced master's in divinity. So you guys, welcome to the show, Justin. Justin, so glad to have you. Well, thank you. No, you forgot one more other important topic. Oh, about I was going to talk about it, but go ahead. You no, go, no, you go ahead. I'm, I'm <laughs> Justin is the guy who got me into podcasting. That's why when I was doing my first season, he's one of the first guys I called, not just to ask technical questions, but to say, bro, I got to have you on my show. Like he has me on every year. We're still going to record. He calls me Mr. Christmas on his show because obviously I'm, I, I love uh, Christmas and everything about it. Uh, but yeah, Justin is the guy who really, um, from a from a real technical standpoint, nuts and bolts standpoint, um, showed me what podcasting looked like. So Justin, thank you for that too. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. And it, it kind of feels weird because usually I'm in the driver's seat and today you're in the driver's right. seat. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it is weird. Yeah. It, it, so it's kind of nice because I can just sit back and relax and just kind of just nod my head uh, as you're doing your thing. Uh, yeah. In fact, I love your podcast and thank I'm you. so glad that you're doing it and uh, as you're going through these songs, I'm learning a lot. Awesome. Because I, I've never really dived into the theology, the theology of these songs. Right. 
And so it's, it's, it's fascinating. It really is the history of it and the culture of it. Yeah. I think it's been such a learning experience, even for me, as I've been um, singing the songs on Sunday, just remembering the conversations I've had through the last couple months about these songs has really been impactful. So as I've said a couple of times on the podcast, I don't know if anybody else, if, if, you know, if nobody else got anything out of it, I have just been challenged and inspired and grown deeper in my faith walk and an understanding of these carols. So, and speaking of a carol that, um, needs some education, some unpack to be unpacked. Today's is one of those. And I guarantee you, uh, unless you know the history of this carol, it's going to be a little shocking. It's going to be a little, it's going to kind of put you off uh, uh, back on your heels because you're going to go, what, really? But today's carol is... better than a children's choir, right? Children's choir Christmas. Beautiful. Is our is our is our carol today, and that's actually the version from the Home Alone soundtrack. Which, to be honest, it's a great version of it. It's you know it's got a really great quality to it, and we'll we'll get to our favorite versions here in a little bit. But um, we want to talk a little bit about this carol. And uh, Justin, what do you know about this carol? Well, uh, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at me because when you first told me to come on, I thought you meant Silent Night. Okay. Justin's not a musician. Like, like let's. I, Justin's a theologian. Justin helps disciple. He has got a great mind. But you know, the musician part—that's his wife. His wife has got a great voice. But yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. That was an honest mistake. Yeah. Well, I, I've said this on my show a couple times. I think I even said it when you were on my show. Uh, my, I have really talented friends like you and my wife and my friend David, who you met actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I have all these wonderful musicians around me. And I can't sing. And, and, and I mean, it, it's, it's okay. I, I know my talents and I know my limitations. And one day I was with my friends and I was singing and they just looked at me and they said, Justin, hey, your singing reminds me of gel. And I said, of gel. Of gel. Okay. I said, well, why, why gel? Like, brother, listen, I love you, but you're always behind a few bars and you can never find that right key. Oh, but I'm chink. Oh, yeah, man. I know, right? It's like, oh, well, you know. It... My dad loves puns. He's a dad joke king, and so that's right. I hope he hears that joke because that's excellent. You all, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, and and that's me, and so I'm always in music gel. Okay, yeah, yeah, and I a... think that is that's a fair that's a, that's a pretty fair uh, um, um, estimation of it, but. I will say that you are passionate about music. You love to talk about worship. We have many good conversations mm -hmm. about worship and music. And and I think that that goes not to the musical side of it necessarily, but to the theology side of it. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, again, Christmas carols are are should be rooted in some theology. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then they should at least be acknowledged for those for those holes that might be in the songs. We talked about Hark the Herald Angels sing a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Nowhere in the story did the angels really sing, right? They mm -hmm. they said in chorus is what it says. Right. Um, and so you find little things like that that people take creative liberties on. Um, and today's song, um, there's, a, there's I wouldn't say there's anything, there's no liberties taken with the creativity, but the process by which this song came about, you told me first because you'd researched it before I did. We knew the song. And so, yeah, I, I was I was blown away yeah. when I started reading about this and 
And we're going to use a, one of my sources that I've been using a lot is a book by a man named Ace Collins. And uh, the song, the book's called Stories Behind the Best Love Songs of Christmas. Um, we're actually going to have Ace on next week um, as our guest. And so I'm super excited about that, that, that episode because he actually does talk about Silent Night. So, oh, okay. so uh, definitely, you know, come back next week, listen to that one. But today um, we're going to talk about Oh Holy Night. And Justin, um, you know, I think you've done a lot of great work on this. So kind of guide us through what you learned about it, what you heard about it. I'll give you some of the legends I found. And, and we'll just go from there. Well, like in any history, uh, anything you do, you're going to have different avenues necessarily okay. to get to it. Um, and so I first, <laughs> I thought Silent Night. So I started researching everything about Silent Night, um, which is cool. Because uh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, all right, let's do Silent Night. And then I texted you. I said, I'm so ready to do that <laughs> Silent Night. <laughs> and that text came back, oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, it's whole holy night. Um, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, holy night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. No pun intended. Uh, and so I started doing research on that uh, when I'm able to do research because uh, I was trying to finish up some other papers and other mm -hmm. things. And as you know, um, of course, a lot of my listeners are probably going to listen to this. Uh, I have a policy. It's always papers before podcasts. That's fair policy. And, and so that's why I haven't done a podcast on all fall because I've been so busy writing papers reading and, and doing the things and jumping through the hurdles from my lovely professors who I love and, and admire so much. Uh, and so uh, now I'm going to do just kind of, just kind of throw, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to take over your podcast here, no, come but on. Uh, I, I'm going to do a Christmas podcast and I'm going to have Mr. Christmas come back on. Of and, course. Yeah. And so that would be what? Three years. That, three years in a row. That'd be my third year. Three years. The trifecta. And uh, I think last year I, I got you, I, I got you on one something You've never heard that one thing before, and I got you. So anyway, that that's kind of a yeah, yeah. That was you got to go back and listen to it. It was. I had to go through counseling after we listened to that, that <laughs> version of that song. That was that was rough. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Oh, we had a good yeah. time. So uh, it's coming up soon. So make sure you look for that uh, wherever Please. Uh, you yeah. you can go. And of course, you can go to my website. Um, so as I'm doing my study here, uh, as uh, Professor Groves has uh, put me on the avenue here, uh, I found out this is a French song. Yep. It, it was from a French guy. And uh, what it was, he did, wrote a poem. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm kind of going off the top of my head here. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bishop or a, a priest mm -hmm. that said, hey, can you write the song for a, a poem, actually, for Christmas? Right. And so this guy who uh, is, what my sources are saying he's an atheist, said, yeah, sure. You know, he, he wrote this poem for this bishop because he, he's, a, he's a poet. But he's more than just a poet. He's also a, um, <laughs> how you say, uh, he, he's also some type of seller. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm he's, gonna a, he's a wine seller. The way that there's no English equivalent to this. So it was kind of hard. I was doing some research on this, but it was a, uh, a commissionary, a commissionary of wine for, for this town in France, a commissionary, I, you know, or, or, and I, you know, somebody's going to correct me on that and please do, but I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. A com commissionary. Uh, of wine. So he was, uh, and for those of us that are maybe more uh, Baptist in nature, you know, the idea of a wine salesman, pretty much, you know, you go to your local specs or whatever the wine stores are around here, that, that, that guy, like if you talk to him, you're like, hey, have you written any poems about Christmas lately? Um, probably not. But that's what this guy was. It was, and he was, it was, a, it was a government position because mm -hmm. um, he was responsible for selling alcohol legally. Um, to places. So, you know, it'd be like we have now before prohibition, we kind of had similar, you know, that kind of thing. But that's, that was his role. And 
while I didn't see, while, while my why Ace didn't say that he was he, he was an outright atheist, it did say he was not known for going to church. Yeah. So that's you know that might have been a, a, a kinder way of putting it. But essentially, he wasn't a religious man. No, he was not, and and so that's why they they probably say he was an atheist because. During the 1800s, I mean, during in France, if you didn't go to church, you you were more, I guess, categorized as an atheist. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, that's changed a bit in a couple hundred years. Well, it's it's kind of funny because uh, if you if you really study even the history of the church, they called Christians atheist in the beginning of the first century or the second century for a uh, while. Because yeah, atheist one. Mm-hmm. Or that they all believed in one or, or one God or no God because they didn't believe in the the, the polytheism the, exactly multi, multiple gods yeah. right exactly and then of course later during the Enlightenment issue okay we're going to be no God you know no you can't believe in any type of religious power right. at all um, that was such a side note anyway um, and so as he wrote this song out he wrote this thing and part of it was whole holy night it was a whole poem and now the poem wasn't necessarily the song. The right. poem was just the text, the text, yeah. as when you looked in Luke chapter two, and he kind of wrote that out. And then from there, he kind of developed, um, you know, this, this thing. And then uh, this opera singer, where is it? Emily Lorraine, I believe. Did you see that in your, I didn't have her name. Okay. So an opera singer, I think Emily, according to my source here, and I'm in himory.org. Okay. Himory. It's a good, it's a good website. Okay, uh, saw the text and asked a Jewish friend of hers to, uh, to compose music for it. And so, uh, and of course, she sung that at the Midnight Mass uh, three weeks later. Right, and the composer was a Jewish man named uh, uh, Adolf Charles Adams, um, born in 1803, and had wrote many operas, um, studied at the Paris Conservatory. Um, so he was a, he was a very, um, he was Jewish, so obviously the idea of, of, these words representing a holiday he didn't ever celebrate or observe um, and celebrating a man who he didn't view as the son of God. So like I said, this has got a very checkered past all of a sudden, right? Like right. everybody knows what Holy Night and we think of this deeply spiritually moving song, which it is. And we'll kind of talk about maybe mm-hmm. what God has done with this song, but by the personnel enlisted <laughs> so far, you're thinking, all right, so you got a, a, a liquor salesman, poet and a Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How's this going to land? And an opera singer. And an opera singer, right? You have all three of these. It's not like the beginning of a really like bad really joke. Really bad joke, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. So what else? Keep going. Okay, so uh, according to what my sources in, and finally they, you know, she sung it at for mass. Uh, now she sung it in France, mm-hmm. in uh, French, in French. Thank yeah. you. Not and so when we listened to it, it was English, in France. Yeah, but it was also in French. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It had to be. In, yeah. So yeah. thank you for correcting me. Uh, so the. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, the history of that is just like, wow, you know, okay, what's going on? And of course, I guess they heard it and they're like, wow. Yes. Uh, they, they were blown away with it. And the church then, loved it. The people loved it. It became a people, a song of the people as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, fast forward and then you get to 1906. And I'm going to let Tim take it over from there. The the man who wrote the song, um, Placid, and again, I'm not going to say his name right, but the man who wrote the text, the, the poet, um, walked away from the church altogether and became a socialist. Uh, and then the church also discovered that the, the, the musical portion of the, of the song was written by a non-believing Jew. 
And so because of those two things, the church said, we're no longer going to sing this song anymore. Like, well, let's clarify what church it is. It was the French Catholic Church. Okay. So the French Catholic Church, the, yeah. So the Roman Catholic Church mainly, because if right. you can't, uh, if you know anything about what was kind of going on in France, uh, the Roman Catholic Church dominated Spain mm-hmm. and dominated French. Okay. Uh, and, and, and But it didn't dominate England, and it definitely didn't dominate German. Right. Because you had Lutheran German, you had the Episcopal, the Church of England going on in England. Right. And on top of this, around the 1800s, of course, you already had the Reformation. Right. So, but still in, in, in France and in Spain, they were still highly Roman Catholic. It was very Catholic. Oh, so yes. Very okay. Catholic. And I didn't know that. See, that, that was, that's important to know which, which sect of the church, when you say the church, is that like, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, especially as we get into this era. Um, but I love what, what uh, the author Collins said here. He said, even as the church tried to bury the Christmas song, the French people continued to sing it. And a decade later, a recluse American writer brought it to a whole new audience halfway around the world. So there was this guy, John Sullivan Dwight, who was a pastor. Now he was a Unitarian minister. And so we won't go into, we won't delve into the different denominations, but Unitarian is a little bit off. Well, I would say the mainstream evangelical Bible believing mm-hmm. people. And if you're a Unitarian and you listen to this, I would love to have a conversation with you about it because that's, that to me is the most important thing that we have good conversations. That's why this is called Christmas conversations of comfort and joy. So, but what I have, what I found is that he was also an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. And so when he read these, he, well, he was a pastor, but he ha, he suffered from what we would call today social anxiety disorder. He, whenever he'd get up in front of his congregation to preach, he'd get violently ill. Like he would get sick to his stomach. He, he, he couldn't do it. And so he ended up kind of becoming a recluse, but still wanted to, to, to keep his mind sharp. And so he started writing. He did a journal of music. Um, he did several other things, and so he researched different poems and what and, and pieces of music. He found Cantique de Noël, the French de, the French word for oh, the French title for Oh Holy Night, as we call it in America. He loved these lyrics. He absolutely adored them because he was an abolitionist. Right, mm-hmm. we're in the 1800s, uh, as we've talked about so many of our carols. So many of these hymns were born out of that time of our of our history, mm-hmm. the 1800s, um, slavery, civil war, all of that. So it was very interesting. That yet another one um, found its found its popularity in America at the same time. And and really, if you know the lyrics, you'll know this this line. You'll remember it. But the line that really captured his attention, remember, as an abolitionist, was in the second chorus after the first after the second verse. It says, "Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother." And in his name, all oppressions shall cease. Well, if you're an abolitionist and you read those lyrics, you're going to get excited and mm-hmm. you're going to want to make that, you're going to want to make that a, a, a song that your people can sing in your language. And so that is exactly what he did at that time. Uh, it quickly found favor in the U.S. Uh, and during the Civil War, especially obviously with the abolitionist movement. Um, and that's kind of how it became uh, popular. I mean, there's a lot to talk about during uh, this 1800, especially during this abolitionist type of theology that was really growing. And of course, in the yeah. 1800s, we had the Civil War, which was very significant uh, within our country in the United States and also within the church within the United States. Right, right. So there's a lot of theological concepts of that. And even um, even like if you go back and you listen, you look at some of the great American theologians like Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Edwards was not, in fact, he, he actually supported slavery, Okay, but he was a man of his time, but his son was an abolitionist. 
but so we can look at the the theology of of just I mean of abolitionists in general and and what it really means. I mean, there's so much we can un- unpack with this, Tim. Uh, I I don't even know where to start. Um, just dive in somewhere. Let's go. Okay. Uh, let's let's dive into the song. Okay. So chains he shall break. Uh, for the slave is our brother. All right, so let's just dive into this right here. Let's do some exegesis here. Uh, okay, so when you, when you look at this, uh, the first thing I'm looking at, the he in the song is capitalized. Right, of course. Okay, so it's something that Jesus has broke, I assume, because it's a he capitalized, broke, for the brother of his slave. Okay, so he could easily be going into uh, Philemon, uh, which is a great book if you really mm-hmm. want to study what Paul did about forgiving and, and, and loving your brother about right. slavery. Right. Uh, which is something I did. Uh, we can also deal with the slave of sin. Because Absolutely. the slave of sin, I mean, because sin, we are a slave to sin in our lives. If sin yeah. is, 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 is wrapped around you and you are just holding on to these chains. I mean, there's a, what was that song? Uh, these chains. My chains are gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, absolutely. You know, when I think about chains shall he break, obviously we are not living in a world where um, there's out and out slavery. Although, and again, we're not going to, there's a lot of rabbit trails we could take and go down deeply in them. Mm-hmm. But I will just say that, you know, there is still human trafficking going on mm-hmm. in our world. And it's it's huge. Uh, the podcast that I like to listen to outside of uh, my own and yours is um, is true crime podcasts, mm. and so many of them deal with human trafficking mm. of all kinds, children, women, you know, even men. At times, I think right. it's and it's worldwide. And so, while we don't see slavery as happening in the in the same way that they had in the Civil War or even in biblical times, mm-hmm. um, there is still slavery. And so, I think that is a part of our culture, and we must acknowledge it and do what we can to break it. But I think in the day in and day out world, that's that that concept of being broken free from sin um, is part of my story. Uh, and I know it's part of many people's stories about being f- broken free from addiction and from um, just all kinds of things that we do that maybe we don't set out to do to become sinful, but we do to maybe feel better about a rough time in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so, but all of a sudden before you know it, those those things we willfully did at first become chains. Right. They, they hold. They they choke us down. Um, delving off into another aspect of chains, um, I love um, um, Dickens' Scrooge story mm. because the the ghost of Marley. Right? right. I was just watching. There's a million different verses, but they all have the thing in common. Like Marley comes in and he has all the chains around him. Right. Those are the kind of chains that that while it's symbolic. Those are the kind of chains that hold us down when we choose to live contrary to what God's calling us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about that as being a path to freedom. Maybe you're listening and you don't you think about that as rules and regulations. I guarantee you genuine a genuine following of Christ does not result in rules and regulations. It results in freedom. Right. And if you're in a place where you feel like you're bo- you're bogged down by rules and regulations, that may be more religion than faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, now I'm preaching, so let me oh, back up. Go for it. Hey, go for it. Uh, the line before that in the song, his law is love and his gospel is peace. And, yeah. And so he, he, I mean, this is an atheist, apparently, that wrote this, Tim. Right. I mean, truly he's taught us to love one another. His law is love. His gospel is peace. Then we get to that chains uh, shall he break, for the slave is our brother, 
and in his name all and he named all the oppressed shall cease. Yeah. Sweet hymn of joy is grateful course shall we rise. Uh, let let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. See, I can't sing, but I can read. Yeah. And his power and glory forever proclaim his. So this is interesting because when you look at Luke chapter one uh, in here, you have something very interesting happening with uh, with Zechariah. Uh, and his father, when you're talking about what was going to happen with, uh, with, with John, mm-hmm. uh, who, by the way, our pastor's just killing it with this series. I'm enjoying how he's, he's taking these stories. Unpacking the Christmas and stories. Unpacking it. I, I, I'm really enjoying his, his take on this. Yeah. But on here, it says, uh, of course, he goes uh, in verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 70, 76, and your child should be the call the prophet of the Most High, for you shall go before the Lord, prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Mm. So this is, of course, talking about John. And then, of course, later on, uh, we already know about what was going on with Mary. Uh, and, of course, that was later up on here. And then, of course, we have... Um, I had an interesting conversation about Mary. Did you know? Oh, huh. And uh, the big thing he, they they wanted to pull out was about Mary's song. Yeah, the the uh, Magnificat. Yes, what they call uh, it. that's actually a little bit more up in Luke. Uh, up in forty six is when she started her song uh, on here, and it says, "And my spirit has begun to rejoice, my God, my Savior." Now, what's interesting when you look at Savior, you're looking at Savior as somebody. Not necessarily when they think we don't. They didn't think Jesus Savior on the cross. I don't think they never understood that. Right. Because when you look later on the resurrection, they didn't understand what was going on around them. No, not at the moment. They no. didn't, they didn't have a clue until the resurrection happened. Uh, but on here, it, it it it's very clear that he is building this this thing of the Messiah here, of he is going to be creating a. Uh, a dominion, a kingdom, a setting up a kingdom mainly uh, with within the with within the the nation of Israel, and so as we're looking at this song here, and as he's breaking, because this is where he's getting this information from. Right, he's not getting this information from outside sources. He's looking at it in Luke, right, uh, and probably in Matthew, uh, as as he's looking on what was happening during this particular time uh, during Christmas. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that it's very important as we look and see what the Savior was all about and why we're doing it. Yeah, But again, absolutely. this is coming from an atheist who sold liquor. I know. That's what blows me away. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to, we'll continue to dive into it. But for anybody who may not know all the lyrics to the hymn, to the carol, will you read them through for us? And then we'll keep talking about it just so we can have that kind of as part of what we talk about. Okay. Okay. We'll be right back.
So will you read for us, we're going to keep talking about this song and kind of unpack it uh, in, in different ways and just conversationally, but before we go any further, read through all the lyrics for us so we can hear them in their entirety, read rather than sung, because when you sing them, sometimes you kind of just miss things. So when it's read, you hear it a little bit differently. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're, 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 you're singing at a high note, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, uh, close your ears, ah, you know, you're, you're holding that note usually in that song. And so it sounds beautiful. Uh, not what I just did, didn't, but because, you know, I'm in music gel, but the, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying a thing. So keep going. <laughs> you should see Tim's face right now. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, <laughs> I love you, brother. Uh, Back at you. yeah. And so, but yeah, you're right. So when you're able to understand it, so, all right, here we go. Oh, holy night. The stars are shining brightly or brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary souls rejoice, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. O night, O holy night, O night divine. Hey, Tim, this is your show. Why don't you read verse two and three? I'm happy to do that. And you know what? The thing about this, these lyrics is the only time we say word, a lot of these words um, are when we sing one of these songs. Like nobody's saying yonder breaks anymore, right? That's not one of our heads. So, okay, so here's verse two. Led by the light of faith, serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need, to our weakness he's no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Verse 3. Truly he taught us to love one another, His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. O praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. How did a man who probably didn't even believe in God write these lyrics? Well, that is... Now, I I don't know more in detail. I don't know if the priest paid him to do it, if it was a job. I mean, because he he was a poet. Right. He was great. He was a wordsmith. He was great with words, obviously. So the poet could have went to him and said, hey, you you write, can you write something like this for me? And, you know, here's a little something for you. And, um, or I'll, you know what, I'll tell you what, the church will buy... 10 cases of wine. <laughs> hey, Catholic Church, they use wine. That's right. right. That's... Yeah, they do. Uh, and of course, during Christmas, you 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 definitely have fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want Absolutely. To say. I have to be careful because, you know, uh, you are a Southern Baptist pastor. and <laughs> I, uh, I, I won't go into great detail on those things here yeah. because I don't want to offend anybody either way. Um, if you're a drinker, as long as you do it in moderation, that's okay. If you don't drink, that's okay too. So yeah, either way. That, that's that's a thing I'll put on my podcast. How's that? Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it. Through. <laughs> that's <No>. good. <laughs> so, um, but the, so yeah, I mean, so there's this borrowing, there's always something going on. 
uh, with, with during those times. It's like, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? So I'm thinking he probably said, hey, I need something for, you know, Christmas for Eve. Christmas Eve. Right. And, of course, Christmas is, is always really popular in the 1800s. I mean, Christmas was a big, has always been a big deal in Europe. Right, right. And, um, I mean, that started, the tradition is, in fact, we talked about, I think my first podcast with you, my first Christmas podcast, we talked about Martin Luther and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that. So you have to go and, and, and review that, uh, or at least to listeners, go and listen to that podcast I had with him. And so the... So it was really popular. So yeah, I mean, everyone wanted to be a part of something and wanted to do it. Um, and I think that the a lot of the atheists then they might not go to church, but they still respected. The, they were still respected. The I clergy. can see that. Yeah, I think that, and that's obviously the case here. If he was again, your sources are going to differ on some of this information. Atheist or not, he was not a churchgoer, but right. he still respected this priest that came to him and said, "Will you write this for me?" Right. And again, we don't know pay if money changed hands or not, but. I think the per- the thing that I come back to is that, you know, the Lord, um, and I don't remember the the the, the I don't remember the um, chapter and verse, but in the scripture it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, mm-hmm. and with it, with that verse everything can be used by Him, mm-hmm. everything can be sacred, anything can be sacred. That's hard because there are some things out there that are very uh, aggressively profane, but even people who lived profane lives. God has gotten a hold of and transformed. Right. Right. The basis for, oh, I'm going to forget who it is now, for some heavy metal band um, eventually came to know Christ because... Corn. Uh, it was Corn. You're right. That was one. There was two. There was another guy named David Elson, and I can't remember what band he was in. Um, a good friend of mine where I used to live, mm-hmm. he and I talked about David Elson a lot. But and if you're listening, you know who that is. And so you're going to say, that guy doesn't know his heavy metal. And you would be right, because I don't. But the fact is that God can take anything mm-hmm. and use it for his glory, set it apart for sacred duty. There's a, there's a story in scripture of a donkey speaking yep. the word of the Lord, right? Right. Well, if he can use a donkey in the Bible, then he can use um, a wine cellar right. and a Jewish uh, musician. And this song has obviously stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And it is a deeply spiritually, you read those lyrics, that's a, that's a sermon, in, a, in, in stanzas, is. you know, and I feel like that's where we come back to and go, I just reread those lyrics and go, man, this guy, and we don't know how it impacted him. I don't know the rest of this. The, 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 I don't mm-hmm. know the rest of his story. I, I don't. But for him to be able to channel Luke 2 into such a profoundly, um, meaningfully lyrical way, I think tells that he, at the very least, was able to get inside the story and put himself there and almost, you know... Oh, the stars are brightly shining. I mean, he was he was in the place of, of thinking, what must it have been like that night? Mm-hmm. And the idea of that that the the music of it, and I'll go into that because I know you don't know the music part as much, mm-hmm. but the the minor chord that it hits when he sings Fall on Your Knees um is a almost feels like a an act of submission. It is. An act of surrender, right? Mm-hmm. And before we can get to the next verse that talks about change shall he break. We have to surrender. We have to fall on our knees. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we're talking about a guy who may or may not have ever come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But we know in this moment, in the period he was writing this music, and then how he impressed the, the musician who mm-hmm. wrote the music for it. And, again, that guy's name, all these guys' names are French. I took two years of French in high school, 
Brother, I'm not even going to try to butcher those names today because I'm proud I can say Cantique de Noel. That's about it. Well, we have to we have to try to, you know, that, I mean, you got the name right, but I think it's uh, Police Sabu, I think Shabu. We have to at least try to give him some credit here um, and at least say his name. <laughs> I think it's, okay, so what I remember of French, and again, I'm embarrassing myself. If you oh. are uh, speak French and you listen to this, then you can correct me and uh, we that's okay. Uh, Placide Capo. Yes, that's it. E-A-U, Capo. Capo, yeah. Police Capo, yeah. Um, And, and of course, the music was by... The music was by Adolph Charles Adams. Mm -hmm. Adolph? Adolph? There's an E on the end of it, so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit... I'm not sure. But he was also French. Mm -hmm. Uh, So both of these guys, French, and both of them, um, whose names I'm going to butcher. I'm sure if they tried to say my name, they'd probably butcher it as well. But... Um, did you know the Do you know the legend about this carol though that that goes to World War One? Have you heard this legend? No. Let it, me share it with you because yeah, again, inspire this is me here. Ace Collins wrote and and it's a legend. He he he. But I would love to believe it's true. So again, I'm reading from Ace's book here. I don't. I just want to give him credit. Legend has it that on Christmas Eve, 1871, in the midst of fierce fighting between the armies of Germany and France during the Franco-Prussian War, a French soldier suddenly jumped out of his muddy trench. Both sides stared at the seemingly crazed man. Boldly standing with no weapon in his hands or at his side, he lifted his eyes to the heavens and sang the beginning lines of the Cantique de Noel. After completing all three verses, a German infantryman climbed out of his hiding place and answered with the beginning of a Martin Luther hymn, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. The story goes that the fighting stopped for the next 24 hours while the men on both sides observed a temporary peace in honor of Christmas Day. So, again, we don't know if that's true. It's a legend. Right. Well, there's a commercial that actually had that. That was. And I think I was talking to Ace about this. I think it made it on the podcast. I might have edited it out. Mm. But there was a story that happened during World War II. That was Silent Night, mm. but this was Franco-Prussian War with Oh Holy Night. Mm. So maybe somewhere the legends got confused or whatever. Right. But the point is, the, the fact that a Christmas carol about the birth of Christ created a, a momentary truce among fighting. If there was every year we needed that legend to be true, it's it's 2020, man. <laughs> we need some peace, baby. Don't yeah. we? Yeah, we, we definitely need something new and something... Uh, to remind us that Christ is the Lord, yeah, uh, we, we definitely need that. We we need to uh, we need to behold our King, and we need to before Him. We need to lowly bend. We need to surrender. We need to surrender. Yeah, and and I think um, I think that's really important. Now I I don't know uh, through this if if he. What he, what's going on with his life's you know whatever happened after that right? But uh, keep in mind though the during that time a lot of it was a lot of the way they because we're evangelical almost we're Protestants so we look mm-hmm. at things different than the way the Roman Catholic Church does sure and so I mean for us I mean they they understood what some submission is they understood what the submission of the church is and I mean also I mean if this guy didn't go to church and the priest kind of approached you you know you have to you know first of all you pay respect to him but if he asks you to do something you're like man okay you know because I, I don't want to get that letter from Rome Right. Well, that's what happened eventually. The church cut yeah. the song out. So you don't know. There's no There's no in, uh, knowledge of that. But did the priest get in trouble, right, for using it? Well, and I guess probably not, because even though he wasn't a church attender, um, it wasn't until later that he, he 
move to the Socialist Party, which is what right. evidently the, the church was mostly upset about. Um, and so that would be that. But, you know, I think there's there's a he, he took a risk. Right. I mean, asking somebody that wasn't a regular church attender. But, you know, I mean, if, if you go back to the idea that everything is sacred and God is the giver of all good gifts, mm-hmm. he's the one who creates creativity. Right. And so he didn't give in this man this, this ability to use words in, in a way that hundreds of years later, we're still seeing them. Uh, and I, I do. I love there's 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 lines that just stick out to me. He knows our need to we to our weakness. He is no stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, what that tells me, and again, this goes back to scriptures. Ain't nothing we can hide from him. Right. Well, it also shows the ministry of the priest. Yeah. Because uh, as a minister, we we will sometimes say, okay, how can we help this person get engaged? Mm-hmm. That's true. And so we're looking for ways, we're looking for avenues to engage someone. Yeah. And so maybe he's like, okay, he's a wordsmith, so let me let me challenge him. He and, and and he well, he didn't know this, but because he asked me to do that, that exposed this author to Luke two, to the gospel right. Christmas story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, he probably knew it. I mean, because he probably grew up in the church. Uh, I mean, because most of the time you're growing up in the church and then you leave the church exactly like today. Uh, many, you know, many kids grow up and they go to college and right. they're like, oh, you know, uh, church was nice. They kind of, quote, grow out of it, so to speak. Right. Right. Which is, yeah, it's a shame. But the way you can say, hey, you know what? You're really good at this. And I mean, with your ministry, yeah. what you do, and, I, and I've seen you do it. You're like, hey, man, you're really good at playing the guitar. You want to help me out on Sundays? Yeah. And, and people are like, I love to. I love playing the guitar. And they they might be playing the chords, but maybe they don't quite understand everything behind the lyrics yet. So I'll take you back to that story I just said with the, the bass player, David Elson. I can't remember that guy's name. You know how he came to to follow Christ is the bass player from Chris Tomlin's band said, hey, why don't you come over and sit in with us when we do some jamming at this church, mm. you know? And he did. And so it's that same idea of, hey, why don't you just, you got, you got a skill, you know, you got right. a talent you've worked on. Why don't you come over and hang out with some other musicians? And they just happen to be Christ followers. And so then, you know, Jesus rubs off on them. And, and eventually... The love of God, it, it, it completely impacted and transformed his life. Right. And it's it's a great story. And, we, you know, we don't know that about this guy. Right. We're only assuming here uh, because, I mean, we, we, we can only assume, but, hey, we can at least take it and we can say, hey, listen, but we already, I, 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 can, I can tell you this, this is one of the ways that uh, priests, through different leadership texts and things that we I've read, that priests were asked to do. Mm-hmm. Find something that somebody's really good at and engage them and say, hey, you're really good at this. Can you help me with this? Right. Not saying, hey, help me with this because I, I want this done. It's saying, hey, help me with this so I can start building a relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah, now, exactly. And what the church did here, because you he, he, I mean, first of all, I think what happened was the... Because he joined the Socialist Party first mm-hmm. before the church kicked him out, before he they 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 kicked off the song. Yeah, or, okay. Yeah, that's again. That, evidently, that's the order in which things happened. Was he he left and he left the church, so to speak, and walked. He walked away from the church and became a part of the socialist movement. Uh, and so that and that's that's again that's a quote from from Mr. Collins' book. So okay. I, I'm I'm going to take that at face value because okay. Collins has done his his job. He's in his due diligence. So he 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 became socialist. Uh, which is a political, uh, polit- more of a political um, arena, not mm-hmm. a not a theological arena, which is more of a socialist aspect, uh, which is 
kind of funny, but I'll have to talk about it later on my show. Yeah, go to if you want to talk politics, <laughs> go to go. Justin James's show because he will talk politics with you. I guarantee I, it. I will have fun with the politics. But the the point is, is that so because of that, the church is saying no, you're too radical, mm-hmm. and so you know we can't have this, and so they burn this. They got rid of it, and what's funny is the, the French people still saying it. Like they were like, church, you can get rid of it if you want, but we're going to keep singing it because we love it. And so God still used that song for the people. I mean, I, I firmly believe that when something like that happens, you know, the church can try to do what they think they're supposed to. And mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with that. Like if the church goes, we need to, you know, change our policy on this or whatever. Right. But if, if, if God's already using it, you're not going to stop it. Like you're not going to stop yeah. it no matter what. Well, and that's the beauty of music because you can get, you can't get songs out of your head. Yeah. They get stuck. And speaking of that, that's a great segue. I don't know if you did it on purpose, but let's talk about for just a few minutes the versions of these songs that we picked. Like mm-hmm. we, that's one of my favorite parts of this. You know, I love the theology. I love the um, the application. What we've talked about, um, but it's also fun to talk about just the different versions of these songs that we've come to love and uh, and enjoy and appreciate. And part of Christmas that we love is these songs. So um, we'll go by yours first. So you picked. in French and talk about why you picked that one, Justin. Well, I'm an originalist. And so I enjoy listening to stuff that it was a, a, a tent. I mean, when they wrote the song, they wrote it in French, right? They didn't write it in English. Right. And so when I hear that, it kind of lets me go back and listen to it for the very first time, though. It was a woman who probably sung, who sung it. Well, we, we know that. I mean, she was an opera singer, so it was a woman. So uh, now, well, and as an opera singer, that's 
Andre Bocelli, I mean, right. he's, he's obviously very much in that same category, maybe not as much of an opera singer, say, like Luciano Pavarotti, but it's in that same vein. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think... Uh, I think Bocelli can definitely do opera. I yeah. mean, I, I don't, I mean, he's just, he's legit. I just think it's funny that like, okay, so we have a French carol written by a Jewish man sung by an Italian. I mean, we, 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 it's a multicultural experience right here today. That's right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, you know, I love culture. So that's why not? right. And so, it, but still, it's probably the only song that, I can probably listen to. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Bocelli. I mean, mm-hmm. anything the dude sings, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, to listen to in, in, in the French, and it's like, man, this is the way they probably heard it. Yep. That very first time on yeah. on that midnight mass on Christmas. Uh, so now the challenge is on you, Tim, the worship pastor. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it in French. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what. I, I have actually sung one song, uh, Bocelli made popular. No, I, I, I'll stick with English because some days I feel like I can barely sing English as it yeah. is. So, yeah, no, but but that's a beautiful arrangement. And from a musical side, the orchestra swelling in the back. The strings right. are very cinematic. There's a very there's an emotive quality to it mm-hmm. that I think is is beautiful. And that's actually the reason I picked the version that I did. Um, it's in English, and it's by a guy who really okay. So. He's popular, and you'll know his name when I say it. Um, but the reason I picked this version is because beyond being a popular singer and just a, a, a personality everybody would know, he's an amazing musical arranger. And what I want you to listen for is the way he uses the, the orchestra in this piece to paint the picture of a glorious unfolding. Mm. There's almost this moment of you can, you can, in your ears, in your mind's eye, see the angel explode into the sky. So just listen to this version and I'll tell you, you probably know who it's by. famous but he does so much in those first 30 seconds and i'll go music nerd for just a minute you can just nod your head and you know whatever (laughs) but he does he does something called a tritone in there that is so and and all throughout he has these moments of very tense feeling piece of of, of musical portions that eventually resolve to make it feel like a moment but he does it, I think. Uh, Connick is has a background. I'm not sure if it's, I think it's either Catholic or Episcopal. I can't remember. Um, but the idea that this story, the story of the birth of Christ, isn't just clean, neat, and tidy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it today. It was a crisis. It was, mm-hmm. There was crisis moments in the middle of the story. The fact that Mary had to ride a donkey in her final week of pregnancy for a week, right? Uh, your wife's been pregnant. My wife's been pregnant. If we went to them and said, hey, babe. Why don't you ride a donkey for a week? 
nonstop. I'm pretty sure they would smack us over the side of the head with something they could find around them, right? Yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah. I mean, my wife being, you know, a Latino, I mean, it would definitely be the the the, the chocla. I mean, it would definitely. <laughs> be, uh, nice. But I think the idea that there was a tension, mm. and 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 that's why I love that version. That version to me says that there was tension in the story. Mm. It wasn't just because oh, and that's beautiful. Right. And Bocelli's version is beauty. It's gorgeous. It's lush. And I love that. But when I found when I found this version, I heard this version probably two and a half decades ago. Mm. The orchestration and and Harry's voice on that song, he's more of a jazz singer, a swing singer, kind mm-hmm. of a Frank Sinatra esque. Right. It's not it's nowhere near the level of Bocelli, right. right? Nowhere near what Bocelli can do. But it's the way he arranges it that mm. I find so much um um story in. Yeah, because he tells the story. Yep, in exactly. The music. Exactly. And, and and that's the whole thing. This whole thing is telling the story. Yeah. Does it tell the story of Christ? Yeah. Yeah. And when I mean the story of Christ, I mean the the death or the birth, the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel story. The, the go- f- that's the, it. Yeah. And, and and if it does, then we're good. Yep. Now, I mean, I know there's some other songs that get into different sovereignty and sure, things like well, that. But and, and I think that's that's important. We've actually talked several times on here about, about the Wesleys, who were prolific who were, uh, Christmas songwriters, actually cr- mm-hmm. prolific hymnists, and they were very much theologians. Yes, as well because they used their 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 carols or their hymns to teach their theology. Yes, and so that's where. Um, it's important that if you know your theology, like if you're not as strong in understanding certain aspects of theology, that's okay. You can study it. You can mm-hmm. you can talk about it, and you can get people around you who do. I know there's I've got blind spots that I want to make sure if I'm going to write something or pick a song to arrange, it's going to be a song that at the very least we've gone over as as a pastoral staff or a team or a mentor that I have to do that because you're right, absolutely. Right. And so I think a lot of the, the criticism is it's like, oh, this song is not theological, but does it tell the story of Jesus? Yeah. Does it, it point us towards Jesus? Right. And so like to go back to, to Mary, did you know? Of course we know it was a rhetorical question. Of course she knew because the angel told her. But did did she understood it all? Yeah, and probably not. I mean, you, no. The disciples didn't understand at the time. Yeah, until you, sure. and I mean, it's the, until you get to the resurrection, until the light bulb went off in their in their spirit. Uh-huh. Oh, that's what he meant by that. Yeah, yep. it didn't happen until after the resurrection, until yep. when Jesus said, "Hey," they're like, yep. "Oh," and then you had the other element, which was the Holy Spirit. So. Yeah, uh, within this. So, yeah, I think that there, there's definitely a, 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 a very important aspect in music as telling the story like Harry does. Harry tells the story through the notes. And you're right. I love that. I was thinking of when you, when he, when he went, when you could hear the angels just literally mm-hmm, just, just big boom. crash. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just going. And, and that's, that was really cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly why a lot of movies are not good movies unless you have a good soundtrack. Oh man, it. that's a whole nother podcast that we could do. <laughs> Actually some good podcasts already out there on that, but I want to land the plane by asking you one final question. Thank you. First of all, for being oh, on man, the show. Always. Um, Thank you. But one last question, Justin, what uh, what are what's your number one favorite tradition of Christmas time? Ooh, I have a lot of little traditions. Uh, I think for me, it's just the most important aspect of tradition. We used to have uh, with our family, of course, during COVID, it's going to make things a little bit difficult. Right. But usually, we go to my, one of my wife's uh, uncle's house. 
or we call him Theo, you know, you know, in Spanish, but we, we usually go to his house and usually during that time we, we, we sit around, we, we play games. We just, we just spend time with each other. Um, and of course, uh, as of course my podcast listeners already know about Theo Tony and, and, and him and, and me and him, uh, we always had a lip sync battle. <laughs> awesome. And so, uh, that's probably some things that I really enjoy, but, yeah. but the most important thing to me is just spending time with family. Yeah. And, and, and let me just say this to the listeners. I know COVID's going on. I know you have some 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 listeners are probably not in Texas and they don't have the lockdown restrictions like, you know, we do. You know, we don't we don't have a lot in Texas. But spend as much as you can, spend time with family. Yeah. If you have to zoom in, zoom yeah. in. If yeah, you have to FaceTime, exactly. listen, do you're not alone. You're not alone. And I, I'm That's really real concerned good. about uh, the the health, the mental healthness of our country. It is a difficult, difficult time. And I, I am glad you reminded us of that, that you're not alone. As you listen to this podcast, you know, hopefully it's you're doing it as, you, as you're doing something to keep you company, um, to keep your mind focused on something positive. But definitely, um, yeah, you're not alone. And as we kind of are closing into the end of this this first season of Comfort and Joy, we had a few more episodes lined up for you that I hope you're going to enjoy. Um, just know that the whole purpose again is that through these conversations, you find the true comfort and joy that comes through knowing Christ or no, and, and knowing first about Christ and then knowing to follow Christ because comfort and joy found in Christmas lights and presents and tradition and nostalgia is very fleeting. It's gone the moment you take down the tree. It's gone the moment you put down the lights. It's, it's over and you get to wait another 350 days before you put it up again. But the, the comfort and joy of knowing and following Christ doesn't mean your life will be easy or that your, your circumstances aren't going to be difficult. COVID's not going to go away if you choose to follow Jesus. But you have a hope beyond the circumstances of right now and here. So with that being said, we're going to land the plane on this one. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part. Uh, Justin, I can't tell you enough how thankful I am that you were a part of today. And thank you for getting me started on this podcast, uh, actually on microphones that you recommended, man. So uh, there, you're, you got a thumbprint all over this podcast, and I really appreciate it. So thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Comfort and Joy was recorded at Torn Curtain Studios in Plano, Texas. It was produced by me, Tim Groves, and Meadows Baptist Church. For more information and links to sources for today's show, please see our show notes. The theme music for Comfort and Joy was written and arranged by Dennis Lambert. For more info or to support him and his craft, you can do so on his Patreon account, and you can find that link on our show notes. Finally, Remember to check out MeadowsBaptist.org and join us for our weekly live stream services, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Stay safe, stay hopeful, and remember, there is comfort and joy this holiday season, no matter what season you're in. Mm -hmm.